Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Bible in Order, where we are chronologically going through the entire Bible in one year. Today's reading for November 12th is Matthew 27 and Mark 15. Jesus is handed over to Pilate, who seems to want to let him go, but faced with public outrage and a potential riot or doing what he knows to be the right thing, he chooses to keep the peace. Jesus doesn't really help him by refusing to defend himself because he knows, even though he is innocent, this is the path that the Father has appointed for him. As the sun comes up, Judas realizes the weight of what he's done. When Jesus is being condemned to death, Judas is overcome with remorse. But it's not a godly sorrow that leads to repentance. It's the remorse of the world. It's more like being sad that you were caught and embarrassed and feeling shame rather than repentance. Judas goes back to the priests, throws the money into the temple because the priests are unwilling to take it back, and he goes out and hangs himself. The priests recognize and admit that it would be wrong to take those 30 pieces of silver and put it back into the temple treasury. So instead, they use it to buy a field to bury foreigners in. That field went on to be remembered as the field of blood because everyone knew the story behind it and how it was paid for. It is worth noting that these religious people who did not want to use this blood money to put into the temple treasury were the same ones who advocated so harshly for Jesus to be killed. Religious people will do that. They pick and choose what's important and what's worth following based on their own comfort level and what's important to them rather than what's important to God. Jesus said earlier of these people, they strain out a gnat but swallow a camel. You neglect the most important things and focus on the very small things that are easy for you. Such hypocrisy leads to their destruction. And as much as Jesus, God in the flesh, pleaded with them to repent, they were unwilling. It was customary at the annual Passover festival that the Romans would release one prisoner to the people. So Pilate says, whom shall I release to you? And it could be that this Barabbas was the most violent criminal that they had in custody. And Pilate gives the people the choice. Would you rather have Jesus? your king, or Barabbas, who was a murderer and a revolutionary. The chief priests and the elders persuaded the people to shout and request Barabbas be set free instead of Jesus and for Jesus to be crucified. It shows how dangerous it can be when people are influenced by the crowd around them and they take advice from people who are in positions of authority, but they never think through for themselves what the right thing is. We see this in society today. People believe what they are told by those in authority, but they are incapable of explaining why they think the way they do. It is a dangerous thing to outsource your critical thinking skills, especially when you don't know the motives of the people you are outsourcing to. These common people who were shouting, crucify him, crucify him, were likely average people, like today's church attendees or maybe church members 
who don't really know for themselves what they believe because they don't know God themselves. They're depending on a pastor or a speaker or even a modern day author to tell them what to think and how to think and how to process information. This is why the world is so divided right now. People are listening to other people rather than listening to God. What would happen in the church and in our nation and in the world if everybody turned off the news, stopped listening to podcasts and different people's opinions, and just got into the Word of God for themselves? The world would be a much better place. When Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere with the crowd and he couldn't reason with them because they were influenced by their religious leaders, he washes his hands in front of them and says, I am innocent of this man's blood. All the people answered, His blood be on us and on our children. If there was ever a sign of partnership with the demonic, it is the willingness to sacrifice one's children. The enemy who prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he might devour, Jesus said he comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy, loves to destroy the innocent, and he will take your children if you allow him. From ancient times when people gave their children up to the fire in pagan ritual sacrifice, to the modern day when people give their children a device connected to the internet and forsake their parenting, the demon behind it is the same. In order to get what I want, I'm willing to sacrifice my child and my child's future, and the enemy loves all of it. In no way am I saying it's wrong to ever watch a video on the internet or to entertain your child for a specific amount of time. But for those who give up their children in entirety, or even for hours upon hours, day after day, they are making a willful decision to choose whatever it is they want in that moment over and above the well-being and the future of their children. It is most likely true in this environment that we're faced with today that we've all done it to one extent or another and we must repent. The point is we must be careful not to read through these passages of Scripture with judgmental hearts toward these people who were likely influenced in the same exact way that we are today. Pilate succumbs to the will of the people, releases Barabbas, has Jesus flogged, beaten, and then sends him off to be crucified. The soldiers mock him. They put a purple robe on him. They create a crown of thorns, place it on his head. They beat him. They spit on him. They bow down to him. And when he was crucified with a revolutionary or a criminal on either side of him, even those who were dying beside him joined in with the mocking. As he is giving his life on the cross for the salvation of the world, the soldiers and others who walked by were mocking him, saying, If you really are the Son of God, why don't you come down from there? From noon until 3 p.m., the very brightest, hottest portion of the day, the sun ceased to give its light and darkness came over the entire land. 
Some translations say it was over the entire earth. I've heard believers say in the past that it's wrong to ask God why do certain things happen, but Jesus was sinless, and it's in this time that he cries out with a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you abandoned me? It could be translated as harsh and exhausting as the physical plight of Jesus was on this day and the moments leading up to this day. Perhaps the most painful thing he endured was the absence of the Father's presence as he bore the weight of the sin of the entire world. He felt the disconnection that our sin brings the brokenness of the relationship between man and God, and I believe that's what hurt him most of all. He cries out with a loud voice, and then he relinquished his spirit. Nobody had power over him, but he laid down his own power and allowed them to punish him to pay the penalty for their own sin and yours and mine as well. In the moment that he gave up his spirit, suddenly the curtain in the sanctuary was torn in two from top to bottom. That thick veil being torn in two symbolizes that the veil was torn that separates us from being able to enter in to God's throne room. The book of Hebrews tells us that now we can boldly approach his throne of grace. Paul writes in Romans that we cry out to him and call him Abba, Father. The broken relationship between mankind and the Creator God has been restored once and for all as of this moment. The earth quaked, the rocks were split, tombs were opened, and people who had died in the past got up, roamed around, walked into the city, and were seen by many. The guards who were overseeing the crucifixion of Jesus, when they saw these events take place, they were overcome with great fear, and they said to each other, Truly, this man was the Son of God. A rich man named Joseph of Arimathea went and asked for Jesus' body. He bought some new linen to wrap the body in and placed it in the tomb that he had just had cut out of the stone in the side of a mountain. Jesus was laid in that brand new tomb. A large stone was placed over it, and the Pharisees went to Pilate and said, This man used to say that he would rise on the third day after he was crucified. His disciples may go and try and steal his body and then say he's been resurrected. Therefore, we need to guard the tomb. Because if they pull off this last deception, it will be worse than the first. So they are approved to go and seal the tomb to make sure that it's not going to be opened and closed again. Or at least if it is opened, people will be able to see that it had been opened. And they place live guards at the tomb to make sure that it's not tampered with. In our reading, it might be Friday, but thank God. Sunday is coming. God bless you, my friends. Thank you for being on this journey with me through the Word of God. It's my honor to do this with you. Please do send in your questions, comments, and even other Bible study topics. You can drop us a voice message through Spotify 
or shoot us an email and we will respond to every single question, comment, and even disagreement. See you tomorrow. And for those of you who are interested, I am a strategic listing specialist and a senior real estate specialist here in Southwest Florida listing homes around Naples, Fort Myers, and Estero. I'm also able to help people buying or selling real estate through my vast team of real estate professionals in 16 states currently. And if you are a real estate professional interested in joining our team at Call It Closed International Realty, it would be an honor. For those of you interested in our real estate offerings, check us out at agentdaviddoty.com. Thank you so much for your consideration.